We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Great tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined by my co-host, Stefan Leco. You can find him on Twitter at Stefan Leco. That's L-A-K-O. And if you're joining us for the first time, the College to Canton podcast is a show about the journey of the best football players in the world from being prospects in high school, throughout college, through the NFL draft season, all the way to the discussion as to who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Road of His Radio podcast, but we also make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And uh, this week, the topic that we're going to jump into right away here and just kind of fly through a bunch of information here for you is depth chart day because I don't know if you follow follow uh, college football very much a listener here <laughs> but depth chart day is fun because uh, all the big teams across all the country had their first game for the most part unless they played in week zero this past weekend this weekend within the next five or six days we're gonna have 84 games with an FBS football team in it. So I cannot wait to see a whole bunch of guys break out for the first time and see some of our favorite players just absolutely smash. But before we jump into death chart day and talking about some uh, breakout candidates and some of our favorite players that are in a good spot to do well, got to welcome my co-host here, Stefan. How you doing, man? I'm good, dude. It's uh it's it's been uh it's been a while since we've been doing this together. It's been yeah. like a couple of weeks here, so um it's it's fun to be back on the show with you. And uh, we've been we've been teasing the listeners with another uh, show with both of us on it, and they'll get two this week, which will be awesome. So I, I'm excited to be chatting with you again. Yeah, man, it's been it's been fun, you know, putting together just like kind of short, quick hit, hitting episodes and everything. But I, I do miss having a guest on with me uh, because uh, it really gives me a, a newfound respect for like radio hosts and people who have to do uh, long form shows for you know a half hour, hour at a time, and. Because, uh, you know, when you're on by yourself, there's no there's no one to help kind of fill the space. You don't pitch it to somebody else and they fill in the blanks. <laughs> you, you basically are the uh, the only voice. So if you stop talking, the show stops. And so, <laughs> so it's, it's right. funny. Like, I, I, you, you don't want to make it a mess to edit and post. So you try to string everything together. It just requires a lot of prep, a lot of stats in place. To you can So you can just kind of fly through the show. Uh, so it's it's always fun for me to just get those kind of reps and practice because uh, it's not an easy task. <laughs> so thank no, you for not. being. It's um, not at all. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But thank you for being the person that I can just pitch it to when I need need to you know just take a drink. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of like when I do a show with Matt, only the other way around because Matt just talks the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, and Matt. If we, <laughs> I would say he'd get angry at that, but he just knows it's true. So. Yeah, that's great. I love it. He's he's fun. Absolutely. Well, uh, listeners, I appreciate you guys tuning in. This is the college football focused episode this week, but really it is relevant for the future of the NFL too, because all the players we're going to dive into today could be playing in the NFL before we know it. And so really just to kick things off, I guess just why explaining death chart day again, 
pretty much all the teams, for whatever reason, release their depth chart like within the same four-hour window every single year. It's fantastic because most of the time, there's not uh, a whole lot of brand new information throughout most of the offseason that just drops all at once. But you know, for have you know, for like a hundred teams to drop their depth chart in the same day, it's just so much information to sift through. So hopefully, we can help you do that and identify some players that could break out early, some some things to take away. And so jumping off right away at the top, got to talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide because they're just always better than everybody for some reason and send a bunch of players to the pros and they are pretty much NFL University <laughs> uh, looking at the, the the past three, four, five, well, 10 years in terms of giving us fantasy viable playmakers as well. So up top, I, I don't know what your thoughts were, Stefan, diving into the depth chart of Alabama as they released it today. Uh, obviously, Bryce Young was going to be the guy. Paul Tyson <laughs> was never going to start for Alabama. And Jalen Milrow was a true freshman. Huge dude, like 6'4 and just ripped, but not really going to be the guy this year. Bryce Young, obviously the five-star talent, uh, looks to be the future uh, NFL draft pick on the team. Based on how we have him ranked, it's kind of just assumed he's going to be in the first-round discussion after absolutely exploding this year. But uh, running back, I thought it was interesting. Uh, not really surprised, but I, it was just cool to see it confirmed that Brian Robinson Jr. is going to be the guy this year, at least to start things off. And then you had Jace McClellan and Trey Sanders and Roydale Williams kind of sharing that that two slot. Uh, I found that interesting that they kind of had that split between the three, didn't you? Yep, I, I sure did. And I think it's interesting, too, because, man, if you would have if you were just looking at like Debbie ADP for running backs, Mm-hmm. You would not have had, um, you would not have had Brian Robinson as a starter for this Alabama team. I mean, I think he was going third or fourth out of as far as Alabama running backs this year, and now he's going to be the starter. And we know that Alabama running backs, when they're getting the bulk of the work, they freaking produce, and they usually end up getting a little bit of draft capital too, even if they're you know four year or five year players. So <laughs> to me, this is really good news for people like myself who were willing to wait for the Alabama running back position and go ahead and get Brian Robinson. Um, I, I was just looking at some ADP stuff, and it looks like he was going 25th amongst running backs in, in yeah. Devi. That's crazy, man. It's gonna He's going to be such a smash value this year. Yeah, and if he does, just stay healthy. I think that's that's going to be the, the player to uh, kind of watch to see how his draft capital continues to uh, blossom this year uh, it does remind me a little bit of like that Bo Scarborough year you know when he uh, he did kind of get day three capital and he was kind of like a lead guy there but he kind of struggled with health so I think if Brian Robinson just stays healthy though uh, he'll get more capital than Scarborough did uh, but it's funny just uh, everyone was so confident that oh yeah it's Jace McClellan Jace McClellan's backfield to own it's it's, it's gonna be him and at the end of the day he could be the running back three this year because Trey Sanders uh, he looks healthy in camp. He's been the, the buzz running back that's flying up the boards, flying up, getting some hype again. And Trey Sanders was the number one overall running back in his class uh, just a few years ago. So to see him uh, climbing back, it could be fun to just see a, an absolute stacked backfield there with a one, two, three punch between Brian Robinson, Jason McClellan, and Trey Sanders. Uh, obviously, I am, I'm still fading Jason McClellan at his value in Debbie because he's basically a second round pick and that yeah. was never ever good process based on what we knew this spring or basically at any point in time because he basically uh, only did something in four games last year so uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like and just to see how that plays out but wide receivers transfer in Jamison Williams immediately starting I thought that was cool and uh, Matt Wispe is probably uh, you know saying I told you so right about now because you know, Jamison Williams couldn't crack the depth chart for Ohio State because, well, they have six NFL players currently on their depth chart right now. Uh, transfers to Alabama to get playing time. <laughs> so that's Nuts. insane. Uh, then they have John Mechie, obviously, at the X. And then the H, uh, It's it's. I found it cool that JoJo Earl, right out of the gate, is is sharing uh, the, uh, the, the starting role with Slade Bolden. So we, we kind of had a discussion as to how long we thought it would take Jojo Earl to overtake Bolden there. I think it's going to be pretty quickly. I know some people don't as much, but Jojo Earl looks like the typical uh, Alabama wide receiver that just we've we've come to know and love in the past few years. He's got that quick twitch, insane speed, yak ability, 
he could do something great, uh, great this year, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I, I I think a lot of it will depend on how Williams and Mechie do. I think if they're both producing really, really well, they might feel like they can kind of ease JoJo Earl in. Um, but I think if if they're needing production, uh, I think they're going to find ways to get him involved pretty quickly. And I think once he starts seeing uh, the bulk of the snaps, uh, it will be hard for him to stay <laughs> off the field. You know, yeah. I just think that he's a different, when we've talked about it, he's just a different type of athlete, even compared to other players at Alabama. Like he's special. And uh, I think it'll be hard for Slade to, uh, to, to keep his position as a starter for, uh, for, you know, half the season. Yeah, for real. This does remind me a little bit of, of the uh, 2017 absolutely stacked class that they brought in. Uh, you know, they had Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and uh, for those that actually remember, uh, what was his name? Tyrell uh, Shavers. Yeah, I couldn't even remember it. Remember it because he's transferred two two times. But but that that class uh, was absolutely stacked. All four and five star talent at the wide receiver coming in, but they they had to wait their turn. They didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, at least until nearly the playoffs that year. And then, you know, Tua Tungavailoa hit Devontae Smith to win the national championship. Uh, then he actually ended up exploding into the wide receiver one for the team at, thereafter. Uh, but we, we might have to wait for Ajayi Hall to bust out as, as he's still listed with the twos and Ja'Cory Brooks is still listed with the twos. And uh, But I am excited just to see what happens with JoJo Earl because I think he fits the modern mold of what Alabama asked their wide receivers to do. Uh, Ajayi Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks look more like the you know the Julios or even uh, Amaria Coopers of old uh, that Alabama used to like to feed. So uh, hopefully they grow into roles here soon, but we might have to wait a little bit there. Uh, and I did think it was interesting that Julio Billingsley wasn't listed as a starter at tight end, but I think it's just a doghouse thing with him and Nick Saban. There's been a little bit of uh, noise about uh, him disappointing in practice and such. So I think he'll be he'll still be a target at some point. But well, just Billingsley's gonna more have that receiving role than the blocking role, I think oh, yeah. too. So I think when it's you know third and eight, you'll see Billingsley in there. Of course, how many third and eights will Alabama see? Yeah, probably. Uh, None to like November, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving on to moving on to North Carolina, a team you and I love to talk about because it's really interesting. Uh, I just talked about this um, in my piece at over at SolidVerbal.com, doing some college football writing over there now on top of the Rotoviz stuff, and uh, they lost what almost fifty touchdowns and almost five thousand yards from scrimmage. Uh, last year to the NFL draft in the form of Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Diami Brown, Daz Newsom. And this week they're going to be without Bo Corrales. So tons of opportunity to be had for a completely new cast of playmakers. Uh, Ty Chandler, you and I are pretty high on him. Running back transfer from Tennessee. A true freshman, Caleb Hood, uh, listed with the second string at running back. He could be I guess, quote unquote, come out of nowhere kind of guy because he wasn't that high pedigree uh, true freshman. He was an athlete designation for former quarterback converted to running back uh, and no Camaro Edmonds whatsoever on the two deep right now because he did just come in late, did not. He was not there for the spring like Caleb Hood was. So that that's going to hurt his early impact at the very least. But are there any players besides Ty Chandler on, on this North Carolina squad that you're super excited about? Well, I mean, you and I were talking about him right before we we hit record, and that's just Josh Downs. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what he can do. He only played in four games last year, but he had, he had three touchdowns. Uh, he proved that he could be a, a big play threat. He he averaged 17 yards a catch. I'm excited to see what he can do. He they even try to get him involved in the rushing game. So, like you were saying, like before we started, like this is this is going to kind of be his show. Uh, I, I hope he's up for it, and I hope he's he's ready for the moment because. The spotlight's going to be on him. I do. We are joking. I do kind of like Caffrey Brown, but uh, but that's because when it gets late into C to C leagues, I just find myself uh, gravitating towards uh, players that have siblings in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. So Diami's little brother Caffrey, uh, he's pretty small. Uh, he's only one ninety, uh, but six foot. I think he could find. I think he could carve out a role for himself um, as, yeah. as the season gets going. Uh, he 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 did fine last year. He had you know. A couple of big plays. He, he was another big play threat. Averaged over twenty yards a catch. I think it was like twenty two and a half. Um, so it'd be. I mean, there's like you said, there's so many vacated targets. There's so many vacated yards. There's so many vacated touchdowns. I only counted forty nine in my quick math here, but uh, 
that's still just absurd. Um, only so, only 49 yeah. touchdowns missing from last year's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, we know that this team is going to put up points. We just don't necessarily know who's going to be scoring all the touchdowns. So yeah. there's just so much opportunity, and I'm excited to see – I'm excited to see what happens. Sorry, I was just looking at um, the UNC stats from last year, and I saw a dude named British Brooks, and I was like, "There's a British Brooks and a Britton Brown," and that's really confusing <laughs> for me. Yes, <laughs> Britton Brown, of course. Britton the... Brown go up for UCLA, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Britton and British, and they both. Yep. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. Go off on a tangent. No, that's all good. But, you know, Josh Downs is listed. He's going to be the slot probably for them. Uh, the high volume role that Daz Newsom played just two years ago for the team, probably going to be slotting in there. And then Emory Simmons and Antoine Green listed as starters, getting the nod there just because they're upperclassmen out of respect. But frankly, Caffrey Brown was the more explosive player and actually produced last year for the team. So I think there's going to be kind of an outside rotation at wide receiver. Bo Corrales is going to be in that rotation. It's probably going to be four guys. They're probably going to all have to prove their stars early on to see uh, who's going to be the favorite go-to, the trusted target for Sam Howell uh, downfield because we know Sam Howell has one of the best deep balls in the game. He's going to keep chucking it. It's not all going to be underneath stuff to his running backs and underneath stuff to Josh Downs. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see which wide receiver breaks out there with a future first-round quarterback tossing them the rock in Sam Howell. But Ty Chandler, you know, he's he's probably going to – be in line for 1200 plus yards from scrimmage at, at least right i mean at, at least so that it's not like 1500 i'm so excited it's gonna be nuts it's gonna be really good and i and i will say if, if i can play a garrett walston kind of early at tight end could be could be a sneaky little cheat play anyway we don't have to go on dfs i'll do that on my <laughs> other show with matt yeah man but uh it, it should be fun a fun offense again and man if sam howell does what he did last year with a completely new set of weapons uh just Give me him first overall. You know, it's just like he 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 already posted 90th percentile passing numbers. Was mobile enough? Uh, if he proves it with a completely new cast, that just puts me over the top uh, for him at quarterback. But um, moving on to Texas because Texas is back, right? They're always back. Uh, at least not undefeated, baby. Undefeated. <laughs> undefeated at not being back is Texas <laughs> Longhorn football. But uh, the the first thing that jumps out right away, uh, well is B. John Robinson because he averaged like, you know, almost 12 yards per touch down the stretch last year in his final four games, which is a decent, I think, if I checked my notes correctly. Uh, but they, they did put Hudson Card officially as the starter, even though Casey Thompson was ridiculously efficient in the Colorado uh, Bowl game Can last I talk year. about that real quick? Sure, go for it. I, I, I'm actually going to the Colorado game um, on Friday. Whoop, whoop. So uh, they're just right down the road. I watched quite, quite. I watched quite a bit of CU football. One of my best buddies is a hardcore fan. We're both alums, so you know it's my team. Yeah, Not really, like but, four you know, of you, kind of. Yeah. Um. So I I watched them because they're also on TV. They <laughs> they lost their best linebacker the mm. week before, like the final game of the regular season before that bowl game. Um. They were kind of devastated with by injuries, and they were just kind of trying to <laughs> scrape together a team against Texas. I think a lot of the hype around Casey Thompson in that game particular, because that's what I hear a lot of people talking about. I wasn't surprised when, when uh, Hudson card won the job, he's got so much more upside to me. Casey Thompson can kind of take what's out there. I think Hudson card has a, has a capability to grow into a, a skill set of being able to create things out of nothing, uh, able to improvise and, and just play really solid, really smart football. So I'm I'm excited for for this move for Texas, and I think I think college football is more fun when Texas is good, yeah. even though I don't root for them. Oh yeah, I don't root for them ever, but it absolutely is more fun when they're good, and it, it makes all their rivalry games more fun, and uh, they're gonna have to be good once they get to the SEC, or they're just gonna. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> it's going to be so <laughs> bad. Be <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Hudson Card, uh, he's probably somebody we're going to have to launch up our rankings pretty yeah. quickly because just how Texas has used their quarterbacks, I mean, maybe it's just the same Ellinger era that has me fooled. But man, if he's mobile at all uh, and he can, and he, he mixes that with his incredible arm talent and he has some, some okay weapons to toss it to, uh, he's probably going to be rising pretty quickly uh, here shortly. But uh, speaking yeah. of the weapons he has to toss it to, uh, Xavier Worthy, true freshman, he's been nothing but a hype machine this offseason because he was supposed to go to Michigan, 
uh, changed and uh, his mind and pulled out of that. And Michigan was like, okay, we're not going to hold you to it. And so he transferred to or changed his mind to uh, Texas and immediately was uh, apparently the best wide receiver weapon that they had. And Joshua Moore was good for them last year, but kind of faded later on. Jordan Weddington also listed as a starter this year, but he honestly hasn't looked like the same five-star talent since he continues to struggle with injury year after year. Uh, so Xavier Worthy has like 4-4 speed, uh, legit 4-4 speed, and is going to have a fun quarterback with an arm to toss him the ball, and he's a yak machine. Uh, for me, he is probably the number one candidate to break out in a ridiculous way among any true freshman in the nation. So I, I'm excited to see this whole offense with Bijan being perhaps the running back one and, and Xavier Worthy looking like the wide receiver one perhaps in this in his particular recruiting class or NFL draft class in 2024 because that's a real year. And uh, so <laughs> lots to get excited about. So this is going to sound like an insult. And it's not, but you know how like your high school team and the, like the, the varsity team and the JV team, they play the same offense. It's just, you know, the upperclassmen and the studs. And then you've got all the, you know, the sophomores and the guys that aren't good enough on the JV team, but they're trying to play the same offense. It's the same scheme, all that. So (laughs) Texas is the JV version of Alabama. (laughs) It's yeah, it it sounds mean, but I get what you're saying. Completely. But like, like now that Sark is there, I think they're going to try to like what we've seen Bama do recently with their quarterbacks, with their wide receivers, with their running backs, the style they've been playing. I think we're going to see that. And I think to your point, Worthy's got a shot to do something really, really special, um, given how I think Sark is going to want to use him in this offense. So all I'm saying is no one will debate that Texas's roster is is not as talented as Alabama's. That's all I'm trying to say. I think it's going to be like the 1A, the 1B, but more like varsity and JV from (laughs) Alabama to Texas. So all that to say, I think you're absolutely right. I think Robinson and Worthy are going to be, I mean, Bijan's about as high as he can get anyway. I don't think he's going any higher in in people's ranks. But but Xavier Worthy is someone who I think could be special. Dude's tiny, though. Um, I think we might have another BMI debate with him yeah because uh he's like what 160 is Is that what you have it just doesn't matter what honestly what you what you are in high school like players just completely change their bodies in many cases so if he adds uh, 20 pounds throughout high school or even even close to it probably won't be an issue but he's just such a burner and a yak threat that uh, that's not really going to be an issue when it's all said and done at least it's gonna be fun to watch him it's gonna be fun to watch him this year oh yeah he he should he should smash right out of the gate and fly up some boards. We're going to have to adjust our ranks uh, here soon if he does indeed go off and have him up there pretty quick. And, and facing the raging Cajuns that, uh, you know, they're re- bringing back a whole lot, but uh, uh, I'm not sure that they're bringing back a whole lot of people that can keep up with real NFL speed. So uh, Worthy could have a huge day in his very first college game. But yep, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that number to drop just a little bit and then I'll bet Texas, but <laughs> Do it, man. Do it, man. I've been I've been playing around with a, a whole lot of lines for for this coming weekend. So many freaking games to just yeah dig into. Love it. But Texas A and M, another Texas team. Just we'll, we'll get away from Texas in a minute. I promise. But uh, Texas A and M. Just want to mention this because Anais Smith is apparently full blown wide receiver now. Uh, he's been back and forth. He's been this hybrid player. I think he'll probably be, still be in that role some. But I just found it interesting that he was listed as a wide receiver, not even in the, the backfield depth chart. Um, did, did you anything else stand out to you? I mean, Isaiah Spiller and Jalen Weidermeyer, the, the slam dunk, obvious uh, early NFL draft pick plays. Uh, anything else stand out to you, though? No, I think Anaya Smith was one that I was curious because he was such a dynamic. Like, as good as Isaiah Spiller is, when, when A&M needed a big play, they were going for it on four, um, third and short or even fourth down. They would get him involved. It'd be a, a quick out pattern to him. It'd be even like handing him the ball, even though he's not near as big as Isaiah Spiller. You could tell that the coaching staff really trusted him. Yeah. Um, and so I still think he's going to have um, a hell of a lot of rushing attempts um, more than any other wide receiver. You know, so I, yeah. I, while he's listed as a wide receiver, I do think his role will be similar. But I, I will say, if they do allow him to focus more on just his wide receiver skills, I think he's a guy who could be a lot of fun. So he, he's definitely a player that I'm um, excited about. 
partially because I bet pretty heavily um, on an A&M game last year, and he he pulled me through. So uh, I, I <laughs> love the guys the that pull through and help <laughs> yeah. you out and with the wallet as well. But uh, um, it, it, yeah, and, and another team with a really fun new quarterback in Haynes King uh, should be a, a super fun mobile dual threat there too. I hope hopefully that doesn't uh, dig too much into the rushing totals for Isaiah Spiller this year. But um, I think he, I think Isaiah Spiller needs a. a a quarterback like that though i think um when when their play calling gets too predictable uh, i think spiller can can struggle against some of these better sec defenses yeah so i i think with king's ability to to run the ball himself to keep it on an option read play um i, I think that will open up a lot for isaiah spiller i think it'll be a benefit to spiller yeah um, as far as efficiency goes and it will be interesting just to see if they if they design that kind of thing i, I feel like they didn't do that enough uh, with with Mond and his mobility, so hopefully they they add a few more wrinkles in there and use the mobility of Haynes King at quarterback for them as well. But we'll we'll hit up a few other teams, uh, break down a few other depth charts and a couple of names to know that uh, could break out this year. Uh, but we'll do that on the other side. But here first, a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021 all right so we hit a bunch of the big teams already and we'll get to a a few other big name teams that should be in late season contention here in a few but but first just uh got to dig into a really terrible roster real quick just (laughs) because yeah i i find it intriguing and i live here in middle tennessee and they do have a few players that could be playing on sundays here soon that a lot of people overlook because well you know tennessee has been a dumpster fire for a good few seasons and all their good players transfer out of the program but uh jalen hyatt is a name that I want to talk about just for a second because he's basically been the brand this offseason. He, he accounted for about 17% of the team's receiving offense last year and the games in which he played. And uh, he should go off this year. And uh, given that uh, they're missing even more players than they had from a year ago, and uh, he looks to be the feature. Uh, and of course, is you know he has some other guys that are going to compete for targets, but they're like Cedric Til- Tillman and uh, Velas Jones, who's literally a sixth-year player, uh, transfer in Javante Payton. He came over from Mississippi State, and he's never really done anything, so they don't have a whole lot of proven depth around him. Uh, the problem might be the quarterback because they they list yeah. Joe Milton as the starter. But uh, do you have confidence that Milton can actually get the ball too high and make him, you know, look good from an analytical perspective? No, um, <laughs> Milton. Milton is um, is bad. Yeah, I, I I don't think that it's just a Harbaugh problem up there in Michigan all the time. I know it's easy to blame him for some of this stuff, <laughs> but the dude has a career like fifty six point six completion percentage, and his adjusted yards per attempt is is less than seven 
uh, not good, man. Uh, so, so I am nervous, but honestly, um, if, if he struggles, like I think he will, I think Hendon hooker gets the job before long, or even like give it to the youngster Harrison Bailey. Um, sure. But uh, I, I just think if with Joe Milton there, I think it's going to be a problem. I just don't think he's going to keep, keep the job long enough for it to really hurt uh, Hyatt in the, in the long run. Yeah. No, Milton's numbers last year, uh, even through the most positive lens, uh, you know, he's like a 50th percentile efficiency passer, like even in his good games. Uh, so yeah, game. I, I think even in his good game, yeah, I he basically had one. one. <laughs> his only one, his first one, and then teams were like, "Oh, yeah, we can stop that." And yeah. uh, so I, I'm really skeptical as, as to Joe Milton. Hinton Hooker already has a 90th percentile passing efficiency season with incredible mobility. Uh, he wasn't quote unquote chosen by the, the new coaching staff, but uh, when it comes down to it, I think Milton's going to struggle uh, against SEC competition. Uh, and Hooker is the veteran who can plug and play. Harrison Bailey might be a better future play for the program, but uh, he's not as good of a fit and doesn't have the same level of mobility. So Hooker could be the guy that comes into play. And that, that would probably be better for everyone involved. So I'm hoping that is actually what, what happens. Uh, as far as the running back goes, though, uh, yes, believe it or not, even though Eric Gray transferred out and is now with Oklahoma, and even though Ty Chandler transferred out and is now with North Carolina, Tennessee does, in fact, have running backs on the team. It's true. Uh, Jabari Small <laughs> is is going to share the load with Tyon Evans. And Tyon Evans is a name that I think a lot of people may need to familiarize themselves with because Tyon Evans was the number one transfer running back in the country this year, immensely productive at the Juco level, and comes into a situation where they're going to need him to do a lot. And he's got feature back size. He's 5'11", 220, and can catch passes. So uh, he could be the Eric Gray, and Jabari Small could be the Ty Chandler from a year ago. And hopefully, given their pace and, and how, how much Josh Heupel is going to have them moving the ball, and they're, they're going to be playing from behind a bunch, so maybe they had some receptions too, Tyon Evans and Jabari Small could be pretty productive from the running back spot this year for Tennessee and uh, could both start to get some hype. Yeah. And Josh Heupel does like to, to, to give multiple running backs the ball. I mean, last year um, when he was with uh, UCF, we saw both. I remember Otis Anderson. I don't remember the other guy's name, McCray, something like that. Yeah, Greg McCray. Um, and even like uh, Ben Tavius, what's his face? Like he was, like, they were spreading it around. <laughs> yeah. Last year. So there's going to be, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for, for both these guys to, to show what they can do. Um, and, and if one of them separates, I think they might be the lead guy, but no, no one's going away. Yeah. Uh, we'll see a lot of both these guys because that's just how Heifel likes to run his offenses. And it's not like a Milton quarterback they're going to be producing a whole lot through the air. Man, it's too bad. I mean, this team, with Dil- if they could have brought Dylan Gabriel over. Man, that could have been fun. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been, yeah, that would have been something else. Uh, but yeah, let's, that's probably enough uh, Tennessee football talk for the entire year. Let's uh, yeah. move on to uh, Clemson, you know, a team that actually has a, ch- a chance at doing something. DJU, DJ Uyunglele is going to be the real deal. He was already the real deal last year. He's been the real deal since he was 15 years old, uh, frankly. I mean, <laughs> he's been stealing the spotlight uh, since he he took the starting job from a reigning state ch- state champion and and the guy who was supposed to be the focal point of the former you know Netflix QB1 series. I don't know if you guys watched that show, but DJU basically took the job in uh, like the second game of the season uh, and never let it go. Uh, and uh, he he wasn't he's not allowed a rambunctious, you know, personality. Uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't either. He just lets his game talk. He's 6'4", 250 pounds. Uh, he's incredibly mobile but has a rocket for an arm and and just put up gaudy stats last year in both the Boston College and Notre Dame games going to smash going to be the the, the first overall quarterback taken in, in my opinion in in 2023 so I can't wait to to see what he does with all the weapons that he has because Justin Ross is back Frank Frank Ladson and Joe Ngata are are uh are healthy right now, knock on wood. And EJ, and EJ Williams is actually good as well. So they're four deep at uh, this this set of guys that all look like just dominant alpha X wide receivers, which look, it's a little bit different than the, the weapons that they had last year. So who do you think actually goes off at wide receiver for Clemson this year? I, I have been struggling so much with this question all offseason. Um, I've wanted to say Justin Ross just because – uh, the pedigree and then the production 
uh, before the injury. None of these other guys have really produced like what we would want to see from an alpha wide receiver. And it's not because they didn't have good quarterback play as we know. <laughs> so yes. I'm really curious uh, which one of these guys can make a name for himself. Like, like you said, like all of these guys have just fantastic. They're all four or five star guys. They all had just amazing recruiting profiles. They all have amazing athletic profiles. All of these guys that we're talking about are six foot three or taller. Yeah. It's just nuts. Um, so I I'm really curious what's gonna happen here. And and to be honest, how I've been playing it in um Debbie and how I've been playing it in C to C is I'm taking the cheapest guy because to me, close your eyes and and throw a dart. I have no idea. Justin Ross is the one I like the most, um, if he's healthy, but we don't know. So yeah. I, uh, if I had to put money on it though, I'm going with Ladson, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah. It is interesting just how they list it this year. Justin Ross is, he's by himself in the, he looks like he's going to be basically a big slot type role for them this year. Uh, But then the other three guys, they have Joe Ngata and Frank Ladson at another wide receiver spot. And then Frank Ladson and, or, or rather EJ Williams at another spot. So it looks like the, the other three uh, spots for wide receiver are going to be pretty rotational, at least early on. Uh, so I'm sure it'll probably settle in with one or two guys, primarily being the focal point alongside Justin Ross. I think that's probably the safest bet in my book, just because we've already seen Justin Ross account for over a quarter yeah. of this offense when he is healthy. And yes, he's only been practicing for what? I mean, three weeks, I guess, since he's been cleared. I think it was at the very beginning of August that yep, that's he right. was officially... Like sixth or something. Yep. Yeah, it was early August that he was finally cleared to practice after having the what could have been a career-ending diagnosis last summer. Uh, but he's back. So if, if he is really back, I, I think he's going to be the, the first go-to. But Joe Ngata is... It, he was my... At one point or another, the, my wide receiver won in his recruiting class just because what he did physically... Uh, just nobody else in the class did. I mean, he was 6'3", like 210 or something as a 17-year-old uh, in stretching the field <laughs> like crazy. So he has everything that you want as far as the uh, measurables go. And Frank Ladson and EJ Williams have a little bit more twitch maybe, but they're a little, also a little bit more like a rail than he is. So if, if anybody's going to gonna smash and be a surprise success that hasn't blown up just yet, I'm still... I'm still believing in Nagata to to do that. Uh, some people may be surprised at the running back position that it's Lynn J. Dixon and Kobe Pace instead of the five-star true freshman Will Shipley, but that's been the noise ever since the spring, and that hasn't changed one bit. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon, obviously the guy that was often replacing Travis Etienne late in games. Well, you know, uh, you know, after the game was basically over after a quarter, Lynn yeah. J. Dixon would come in. But Kobe Pace has been the guy who has looked the best, apparently, according to all the beat writers and all the, the coaching chatter. And even when I had a conversation with one of the offensive linemen earlier this year, he had nothing but positive things to say about Kobe Pace. So he could be a name that we have to re-rank and, and rank a little bit higher if it is that Will Shipley doesn't take the job by midseason, uh, which could be which could happen. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting too. Like these two guys um, combined, uh, Pace and um, Dixon combined for like sixty carries, but only um, eight receptions last year. Yeah. All the all the passing game was right through Travis Etienne. Um, man, I'm so bummed he's injured. Yeah, uh, but so I'm curious if they use um, Dixon and Pace more as the the rushing attack, and then. In third down, like if they just go with a third down back with Shipley yeah. and kind of yeah. get him worked in because he's such a great he can do athlete. That. I mean, he's a track star. He's got good hands. I could see them kind of working him in in a third down role uh, early, unless it's like pass blocking, maybe not. But again, I, I don't think you're too worried about that in, in most games in the ACC from your running back. Uh, so so I, I'm expecting to see uh, Shipley maybe get more targets and carries early on uh, this year. Yeah, and just get him involved and find ways to to maybe break a big play with him. Just because yeah. it's going to be impossible to completely keep him off the field this year. I think he eventually takes that job, but will be fun to just uh, see that rotation because it's going to look look a little bit different than the oh, it's obviously this guy at running back yeah. for Clemson. Uh, but moving on, Notre Dame, another team who could have late season, uh, you know, competition if if they decide to get rid of Jack Cohn as their starter at some point, but. Uh, 
I, I found it interesting just because I am the biggest Tyler Buckner fan that he was still currently ranked as the third quarterback on the depth chart right now. But I, I think really, I I feel like that's just Brian Kelly protecting Jack Cohn because all offseason, not, not just me or fans like me, Debbie nerds like me, but the entire fan base for Notre Dame has been clamoring and smashing their keyboards on, on the message boards demanding that Tyler Buckner be the guy to just right away. And I'm sure Brian Kelly's just just ticked and done with that because obviously Jack Cohn has way more experience and can probably plug and play right away uh, and be just fine and be the statue that we know him uh, to be. Huh. And uh, uh, he's not going to win you any games that mean anything, uh, but he can he can get you uh, far enough with a good rushing attack, I guess. But uh, I, I just found it was it was funny that, that they're just trying to be coy and, and <laughs> by putting. Uh, something called a Drew Pine ahead of him on the depth chart. Uh, but any, anyone yeah. else that you're remotely interested in that, that was a surprise? Because Kyron Williams is going to smash once again, and uh, Chris Tyree is probably going to do good things on the ground too. Uh, any wide receivers you're interested in? I mean, I like I'd like to see what a healthy Kevin Austin Jr. can do. He's someone that you know we were excited about once upon a day. Uh, another guy that I'm interested, I I, I kind of like Lorenzo Styles. Um, he is not listed as a starter; he's a backup. Yeah. But I, I'm curious to see what he can do. But the show, the passing game is is going to go through Mr. Michael Meyer. Like we oh, yeah. we we all know that. So um, I think you know his sophomore year is going to be exciting because he could really. Um, put himself in a position like we were looking at Kyle Pitts, you know, um, only he could do it a year early, you know, as a, as an underclassman. Um, and so to me, like, it's, it's an, a really amazing opportunity for him to uh, just put himself as like, yes, I'm going to be the next early first round tight end drafted um, similar to Pitts. So yeah. he's the one I'm, I'm most interested he's, in probably. He's one of the safest bets for draft capital in all of college football. At this point, he had over 40 catches as a true freshman, came in as a five-star tight end. He was already a complete player. Uh, he, he basically could have gone pro uh, out of high school if that were legit. He was already a 6'4", 250 coming in. And so, so crazy. Uh, yeah, it's just it, oh. it's absurd uh, for him to do what he's already done. I don't think the volume is going to be there necessarily for him to you know, explode from a production standpoint. But uh, that might be the case if they can't get much out of Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin. Uh, Lindsay and Austin were the guys that were talking up last year in camp, but both struggled with health. Uh, so if that happens again with Lindsay, that could be what leads to Lorenzo Styles Jr., the true freshman that you and I both like. You mentioned him uh, to break out. But Kevin Austin Jr., there, there's been hype surrounding him for three years now. But that's just yeah. how Notre Dame rolls. They're just, uh, they, they, they like to waste people's careers early on and then uh, give them some late, late career action. Uh, but Oregon, I, I want to let you talk about Oregon here for a second because uh, there's there's a couple interesting things uh, to to take in take in right away with the Oregon depth chart. Our defense is going to be nasty. That's all I'm going to say. No, I will say a lot more than that. Uh, I was not surprised at all that Anthony Brown took the the starting spot here. To me, that was always the plan, and uh, the reason why is because yeah, uh, Fresno State should be a, a pretty doable game for for any quarterback but then next week the, i mean the following week you've got ohio state on deck and to me if you throw the freshman ty thompson um into that you're just not setting him up to succeed so to me you you, you put your veteran in there your your senior quarterback brown and if it just isn't going anywhere and even like not that i'm expecting us or not, not that i'm expecting oregon sorry uh to to beat ohio state um if they can keep it close Brown might keep the job. I think if Brown struggles mightily, it gives him a nice opportunity to start working in Ty Thompson more. Uh, so to me, this is the safest and this is a smart play. It's also how Cristobal plays. Like the dude is is conservative. He wants to win at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't want to go crazy and start trying to do new things. So I think they're going to rely a, an awful lot on um, C.J. Verdell and my favorite running back, Travis Dye. Um, Good name. I was not name. at all surprised that they were both listed as the starters. To me, Die will take a, on more and more of that role. The dude's just so efficient. Unbelievable player. Great receiver. I don't know if he's ever going to get the NFL draft capital that he deserves, but really love him. Um, I can't wait to see what he does this year. And um, the only other exciting news is, I guess, Troy Franklin being the starter out the gate as, a, as the highest, highest recruited wide receiver ever at the University of Oregon. 
Um, excited to see what he'll be able to do. Um, of course, my boy Micah Pittman. <laughs> he he's going to be there too. Again, his brother does play in the NFL, so you know. Yeah, that uh, helps. But, <laughs> but Pittman's also going to be returning kicks. Man, he is so talented. And his, his career has just been slowed down so much by injuries. If he can stay healthy, I really, really think he could be really special. Uh, the problem will be with anyone on this team is that there's not going to be a ton of volume, and they have so many different receivers. They've also got Johnny Johnson the third, and uh, Jalen Red is also listed on the, as a starter. So they just use so many different wide receivers that there's going to be uh, a real difficulty to to gain a whole lot of it a target share that is going to be, you know, it looks um, like it's so, super meaningful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of, those are kind of my thoughts. Yeah, man. I, I, I found all those things interesting that you said, cause they returned so much, so many veterans like Johnny Johnson should, should be gone. Jalen red should be gone. They're, they're both veterans times a bajillion. Like they, they I think yep. they're both fifth or sixth year guys at this point. Even CJ Verdell has been around forever. Yeah. yeah. So they have a lot of veterans Anthony Brown. He, he's in his last year. So Troy Franklin might not pop right away. A couple other interesting names, Dante Thornton and Chris Hudson, really young guys that could be the next generation, but we might have to wait for really what we quantify as a breakout season here at Rotoviz uh, for year two. But it's fun to see, them already making the, the, the second slot in, in the two deep or in Troy Franklin's case, being a starter right out of the gate because that doesn't happen uh, very often, especially at Oregon, especially when there's so many veterans already there. So uh, looking forward to the future there. If I was a Ducks fan like you, I would be if, yeah. uh, excited just about this year and their chances this year if they can get some decent play out of Anthony Brown, but as well as uh, the future with Ty Thompson uh, already slotting in, uh, almost taking the job, uh, and all those wide receivers that look like a lot of fun. But a few other notable names, I just want to mention Stephen Carr out of Indiana taking the running back job there. Demetrius Robertson starting at wide receiver for Auburn. Uh, you know, a former Georgia guy was over at California and looked like he was going to be a star, disappeared at Georgia, and now resurfaces at Auburn. So that could be fun. And then Lawrence Toafili and Jay Sean Corbin in Mike Norvell's fun offense that he took from Memphis over to Florida State. Uh, if he, with a full offseason to work with them, gets them to look like uh, the, the running back one and two duos of old out of Memphis, that could be really fun for them also. Uh, and then Jalen Berger, just, just something to keep an eye on because Berger struggled with health here recently. Uh, Chaz Malusi is going to get the nod at start for Wisconsin uh, transferred from Clemson this offseason. But uh, I don't think that he's going to maintain that starting job. But, uh, you know, just interesting to note that Berger's two right now behind him just because of the health issues as of late. But Berger should be the guy to go off still at running back for Wisconsin, in my opinion. But Stephen Carr, I've got a question for you because you're a Pac-12 guy. Uh, Stephen Carr was supposed to be the truth years ago for USC uh, before his back surgery. Uh, do you think that he can still sneak into some early round draft capital no <laughs> um if i'm being frank but i'm also pretty low on indiana in general uh, i think they're gonna really struggle this year i'm offended um i know i'm sorry <laughs> uh i thought you were a purdue guy though. i Come am on. but i just i'm from indiana originally so i know so, yeah you, you just say big 10 it's fine yeah no i i like no you're right um i just <laughs> i i think he could i think he could struggle um a little bit but i i, I liked him i i always was kind of terrified of him um, as a as a Ducks fan, but uh, I, there's just been so much movement. It's hard to know with a lot of these running backs. Like, it's hard. It's almost hard to keep track of them. Like, so many yeah, guys coming portal, in and out man. of all these different. Oh my schools. goodness, it's just crazy. Yeah, transfer portals made this so much fun though. Just like, wait, how that guy's there now? But uh, seriously, oh, even like the Nebraska game. Like, was it a uh, step that caught that one? Like, yeah, Marky Step. I was like. I forgot that you transferred to Nebraska. What are you doing there? Yeah, exactly. But Stephen, listeners, if you're not familiar with Stephen, uh, not familiar with Stephen Carr, it's because you're a normal human being. Uh, but uh, Stephen Carr uh, shared the backfield with Ronald Jones back in the day. And as much as NFL fans love to hate on Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones was a very good college running back. But as a true freshman, Stephen Carr looked like he was better than Ronald Jones. Uh, and didn't have as much work necessarily. But he looked like the absolute truth before he had a back surgery that uh, completely altered the course of his career. And he hasn't looked like the same player since. However, Indiana loves to give their lead 
feature back, about 20 carries per game. And his only real competition just transferred out to Purdue and Samson James. They still have Tim Baldwin there too, I guess. But Stephen Carr uh, could be in line for a huge workload uh, with a, a decent quarterback if he's healthy. And uh, that could be fun. Stevie Scott uh, was the guy who they gave like 20 plus carries a game to last year. And he went undrafted. But that was because he was a plotter. And Stephen Carr if he's healthy, is not that. I think he can still make a difference. I think he can sneak into some draft capital if he goes off for Indiana like I think he could this year. But that's a, that's about all the time I think we have on this episode. Uh, Going to give you two kind of longer form episodes this week, one college here and uh, one NFL later in the week with both Stefan and I. Also, we'll keep bringing it on both sides of the ball, college and NFL all season long. Uh, be looking for our content at Rotoviz written content and on the college to Canton feed and Rotoviz radio. But uh, thank you, Stefan, for joining me uh, as the co-host. I'll join you. I guess I'll join you as the co-host uh, Thursday. Is that how we're <laughs> yeah. going to do it? Just pitch it back yeah. and forth. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan at Stefan Lico on Twitter. Uh, but you guys, I uh, hope you guys are enjoying football season and uh, you guys can look forward to many more episodes here in the near future of the College Again podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.